searching for the answers to Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Scott Stebbin Podcast. My name is Scott, and today I am going to be uh, sharing an interview I did with one of my friends, uh, Caleb Henry, who is a pastor in Cincinnati, Ohio, or technically he says a student pastor, which he talks a little bit more about that in the interview, in the United Methodist Church. And the reason why I interviewed him, because... Uh, like me, I was interested in seeing what was going on at the uh, United Methodist uh, General Conference in 2019. Um, so I had some questions about um, a lot more of the inner workings of how everything is. And that kind of goes into my first question that I asked Caleb is basically, you know, from what the news media pointed out, that it seemed like the decision was as if they were going to allow uh, gay clergy and even... Um, perform same-sex marriage. Now, the one thing about this interview, which we have uh, Caleb's responses, however, uh, the software never recorded my voice. So what I'm going to do is try to um, uh, pipe in here and there to just kind of answer, to kind of give you in context as far as the questions I asked Caleb, so it makes sense to what he is uh, responding to. So not only is Caleb uh, kind of giving information about who he is and his uh, connection to the United Methodist Church, but also kind of talk a little bit about, um, you know, just what was this conference for, which I asked, which basically the question I ask is, was this about to see if the United Methodist Church can do, uh, perform a same-sex marriage and also allow LBGT uh, plus uh, clergy to be able to practice in the United Methodist Church? Yeah, so um, I am a Methodist pastor in Cincinnati. Um, I serve at Friendship United Methodist Church in Wyoming, which is a part of Cincinnati. I'm technically a provisional elder in the United Methodist Church. What that means is that I'm not truly ordained at this point, but I've been commissioned uh, to be ordained in a couple of years. Uh, it takes a little while to be ordained. Um, and I delayed my ordination for a while because I'm, I've only been in the Methodist church for seven years. It's not been um, a place that I grew up within. Uh, as you know, I'm a chogger like yourself. So um, that's what I grew up. I grew up in the Church of God and didn't pursue that after seminary and instead pursued uh, youth ministry within the United Methodist Church. Um, and I was a youth minister for about six years and then decided to take the leap of faith into Methodist ordination after that. So that's where I currently stand. So that's a little history of, of me within the Methodist Church. Yeah, that, that, that's basically it. Um, the uh, Methodist Church as a worldwide denomination meets every four years in what's called the General Conference. And at the last general conference in 2016, they handle all the business of the church at general conference. And so this issue was raised there. And it's such a time-consuming uh, issue that they decided to make a special general conference that would meet in three years' time in 2019 to just deal with that issue. So, yeah, you're correct. This was um, a conference that was specifically held to answer this specific issue. Issue and depending upon who you ask, um, 
will um, will uh, basically <laughs> determine whether they agree and actually settled the issue or not. Because um, even though um, the traditionalist plan was passed, um, there's still some doubt as to the constitutionality within the Methodist denomination um, as to whether that actually will occur or not. Now, I did ask uh, Caleb because one of the things that confused me was that he, you in 2016 they had a general conference, which is every four years, but in 2019 they had this special general conference, so I asked the question, will there be another general conference next year in 2020? Yes, there will be a general conference in 2020 um, around the same time, um, so that'll kind of help ratify, if possible, what, what happened at this one, um, or you know, we have no idea what will happen at that if there will be a split before that. Um, it, it really just depends on what um, churches and regions um, basically decide to do. Um, we don't know. Uh, it could be that uh, conservatives leave. It could be that progressives leave. Um, at this point, everything is confused, which seems to be a, a hallmark of United Methodism is that we know how to do things in a, the most confusing manner so that we can't even speak to it when we go to congregations. So then I asked Caleb about the um, decision as far as um, same-sex marriage and clergy, just kind of um, asked the question, like, was this an issue that was pertaining before it was brought up at the 2016 convention? Just want to know more of the longevity of how long this uh, discussion has been uh, going on within the United Methodist Church. Yeah. It, it has. Um, the denomination was formed in 1968. Uh, that's when United Methodist uh, Church uh, formed with a couple other um, uh, tradi- other traditions. Um, but in 1972, that's when the um, ban on, on homosexual clergy and marriage uh, was specifically entered into our Book of Discipline. Um, Ever since then, we've been having conversations and commissions on that specific issue, and, but we've never had a special general conference that just dealt with that issue. It's come up basically every year, um, and it, it's never been truly settled. And what complicates it is that we already have uh, gay clergy um, and that we already have um, – clergy performing uh, gay marriages. And depending on where you're at in the country depends on whether your bishop or your conference holds you accountable for that. So there's a lot of bishops that are willing um, to enforce the current book of discipline, and there's a lot of bishops that are not willing to do so. The next question I asked Caleb is, what was in these plans, as um, if you read the papers, you know that there was the traditionalist plan, and then there was also the uh, one church plan. And I just wanted to kind of know a little bit more of the inner workings on what was being voted on and what was being decided at this general convention or general conference. So the traditionalist plan um, would affirm the current language that's in the book of discipline. But then it would take it a couple steps further in terms of penalties and enforcement. Um, 
The problem is the current book of discipline would there's there's legal loopholes in everything, right? So um, there there's ways for clergy and for bishops to get out of it. And so the traditionalist plan um, for those who supported it, they wanted something with a little bit more teeth so that they could enforce the book of discipline. Um, uh, so uh, they wanted. Uh, for instance, a part of it to hold bishops accountable. So they would form a committee that would basically penalize bishops. And where the Constitution comes in is that um, our current Constitution would never allow something like that to happen. And so the traditionalist uh, plan consisted of basically 17 petitions, each separated. um, And during the conference, Eight of those were de- were deemed unconstitutional, and included in that was the uh, global bishop committee that would hold the bishops accountable. So those just in conference were deemed unconstitutional. Um, what was passed was the full package, uh, because when they were trying to make amendments to it, obviously with Robert Rules of Order and parliamentary procedure, you can do a lot of filibustering and um, delay tactics that make it impossible to amend anything within that to make it constitutional. So um, basically during conference, they were at a gridlock. And so the traditionalists just decided to let's just pass the whole thing because they did have the majority in terms of voting uh, to pass that plan. So one of the key words that uh, Caleb said was accountability in this traditionalist plan. As um, you see that he said earlier that, you know, you already have um, gay clergy in the Methodist church. You already have um, same-sex marriage being um, done, um, performed, so, but without consequences. So this traditional plan would have added a little bit more consequences to add more accountability. Um, so then I kind of asked, was it just for the bishops or how far did this accountability go? Yeah, it goes down to the board that or, um, of ordained ministry, uh, to annual conferences. Uh, there was uh, they were trying to enforce it at all levels. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's 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 difficult to explain. Um, all I can say is that the American uh, Methodist system, their polity, mirrors our American political system and that we have different branches. You know, the Episcopal uh, branches is the bishops, so they kind of represent the presidents, although there's multiple of them. And then you have the General Conference, which is like Congress, and then you have uh, the Judicial Council, which is like the Supreme Court of of it. So it's if, if you wonder why Methodists are so hung up and, and at a gridlock, um, just look at uh, the American Congress or our American political system, and you'll understand a little bit more why it's hard to get anything done. I then asked Caleb, what was the one church plan and the language that was in that plan that was also being considered um, as opposed to the traditionalist plan? Yeah. What the one church plan um, sought to do um, was basically legalize what is already the norm within the United Methodist Church. You go to any church, you're going to find traditionalists. Um, You go to another church, you're going to find progressives. And so um, there are currently gay clergy and there are currently um, people who um, uh, vehemently oppose gay clergy or um, gay marriage. So um, 
within that, um, the one church plan, what it tried to do is say that every pastor and every church gets to decide how they align themselves theologically. So if a church wanted to have um, clergy who did not support gay marriage, they would only get pastors that support uh, or that don't support gay marriage. Um, Because within the United Methodist Church, we are appointed by bishops to go to our churches as pastors. So we don't really get a choice necessarily in what churches we serve. We're to those churches. And so a lot of congregations, you know, they feared that if, you know, the one church plan passed, then that would mean that they would receive a gay clergy person. And that would be something that they could not abide with. What complicates this is that the United Methodist Church is a worldwide communion of African churches, uh, Asian churches, uh, Russian, we're all over the world. And so we bring delegates from all over the world. Um, and in Africa, obviously, uh, homosexuality is illegal there. So the one church plant them seem to be condoning homosexuality. And they argued that, you know, if, if that passed, they uh, their church would decline. They would get in trouble. Um, they might be prosecuted themselves as a church. So that's really what complicates it is that we're this big church and we're trying to hold all these people together and it's pretty much impossible to do that so you have this traditionalist plan that basically is kind of keeping everything the same except want stricter regulations with when it comes to discipline and more accountability then you have your one church plan which is more of have the local area churches kind of decide um, if they want to be more traditionalist or progressive in their theology and how they practice, um, you know, practice their life in regards to um, same-sex marriage and LBGT community. And then you also have the worldwide aspect to think about when it comes to these two plans. And Caleb kind of explains the one church plan a little bit further as how can you how can one church kind of set their own rules and how their own lifestyle and the culture of its church, but yet still be kind of under this big, gigantic umbrella that is the United Methodist Church? Yeah. Yeah, it would basically, that that approach is the big tent approach. It says the local context should determine the reality of the ministry or the mission to those people. So if a local church... Um, wanted to be traditionalist within the one church plan, they could remain traditionalist and and uphold their values. If the church wanted to be progressive and remain an affirming congregation, they could be that. They would be all under the United Methodist umbrella, but they could um, basically work out their mission based on their local context. That's the that's why it's called the one church plan. It's not one church in that we all agree on this. It's one church in that we all disagree, but yet we are uh, willing to be united with one another. And and clearly, um, the majority of delegates at General Conference did not want that. So then I asked a big question, you know, where does with this decision at the General Conference of 2019, what's next for the United Methodist Church? As it seems like people are still divided over this uh, 
this vote. And then even later, I kind of ask um, Caleb, you know, with him being in the ordination process, what does that mean for people who are trying to be ordained in the United Methodist Church? Well, to preface my response to that, I'll say that um, often what you hear from the, the media on these things and, and how people read those things is that the United Methodist Church just decided this and we're all uniform in wanting to live out the traditionalist plan. And it's much more complicated, which go, to go back to the constitutionality of the traditionalist plan, we don't know. Um, it's certainly possible that, that all of it will be ruled uh, unconstitutional. Um, so that would really complicate things further. Basically, as I see it, um, currently right now, um, you've had parts of the church, uh, specifically out west, up in New England, um, that have said that they won't, they cannot abide by the traditionalist plan, um, and they are currently having discussions about whether they want to leave. Um, it's also certainly possible that the traditionalists leave the church, even though they passed their legislation, what was also passed at General Conference was an exit plan that favors uh, them leaving. So they could certainly, and in fact, even before this conference, um, a groups of Methodist uh, churches and Methodist pastors formed what's called the Wesleyan Covenant Association. And they basically use this as a contingency plan to form a new denomination should they not get their way. And there are a lot of people who, who voted for the traditionalist plan that have said that if one part of that constitution or one part of the traditionalist plan is unconstitutional, then they will leave because it, it would lack the teeth necessary for them. So I, your guess is as good as mine. Who leaves first? But I think basically what we have um, done is signal the end of the United Methodist Church as it currently is. And how it splits and when it splits um, just depends on a lot of factors. Judicial Council meets next month to give their verdict. And then the Wesleyan Covenant Association meets next month. Uh, well, not in March. Actually, they both meet in April. I'm already thinking it's March, and that's tomorrow. But they both yeah, they both um, will meet, and, and we'll see. Uh, I mean, if I, if I had to predict, I think the traditionalists are much more willing to leave than the progressives are or the centrists are. There's a lot of centrists um, like um, Adam, Adam Hamilton, who has one of the biggest, well, the biggest United Methodist church um, out in um, Kansas. Yeah, and so he's even um, signaled that he will be willing to meet with people after Easter to discuss the future of the Methodist church. So uh, the traditionalists are better prepared to leave and form a new denomination because they've been doing this um, for the last couple of years, preparing for a contingency. Um, progressives tried to call them out on that, um, saying that that's bad faith to kind of set up you know, a, a contingency plan um, when they should be focusing on general conference. Um, but, I mean, I mean the, the reality is for progressives now, they're in a, in, a, in a difficult period trying to figure out what they need to do because they have to start um, 
really from zero and, and try to find a way forward. Whereas I think the traditionalists are, are much further ahead. I think the progressives and the centrists are comfortable with each other. Um, so they would probably align themselves together. Um, and traditionalists definitely are comfortable with themselves. So uh, I th- you won't have the same UMC language that is the United Methodist Church language used. Um, in fact, the word united doesn't come from this um, idea of we are actually united. It actually comes from one of the other denominations that formed with the Methodist Church in 1968, the Evangelical United Brethren, um, who um, were of a, a German heritage and, and were a much smaller church, and they joined with the Methodist Church to form the United Methodist Church. So people get thrown off with the united part of that. It, it, it's never really been united, but the united was a signal to uh, the United Brethren that, that we were um, involving them in the name of the church. So the language of United Methodist Church will not continue. But I think what you'll see is, you know, you had um, during the, the Civil War, or actually way before it, you had the Methodist Church split in two into a North and South. And so you had the Methodist Episcopal Church in the North, and you had the Methodist Episcopal Church South that, that were two different denominations because they split over the issue of slavery. So I'm sure the word Methodist will still be in the title of all these different um, denominations. We could even have three different denominations formed out of this. But we don't – I don't know what – those would be called or who they would involve. Um, it's certainly possible that you'll have Methodist churches that are just down the road from one another um, that are already much different from one another, but will be uh, no longer UMC churches. They'll be something else. It, it, it does complicate things. And, you know, it, it seems probably from the outside, I was quite foolish. I, I did know going into this that this would probably happen. Actually, I knew it would happen when I entered the ordination process. Um, So that didn't surprise me. Um, But it it definitely is an act of faith to choose to be ordained, knowing that um, the church you're going into is going to fall apart. Um, And and you have this doubt about where do you go and and how do you do that. And and, um, we'll end up somewhere. I mean, that's the assurance that we have from the bishops and from our district superintendents that will end up somewhere. Um, but you know, the group of people that I meet with that are part of my, um, ordination class for last lack of a better word. Um, we, we might be a different body in a year's time. Uh, cause all of this is supposed to take effect in January, 2020. Um, but we'll see what, what happens. I then asked the question if there was anything else that he hadn't mentioned in this interview that he would like to share to kind of give a little bit more perspective on everything that's um, going that's going to happen with the uh, UMC. Yeah, well, I mean, the only thing I can say is, is that um, it's a difficult time for everybody because I know a lot of people within my church are surprised to hear this um, because – you know, not, nobody goes into um, joining a church and studies every single thing about that uh, denomination's beliefs. Nobody does that. They go there because of the church. And it surprises a lot of people because I think in, in America, I think they've done a poll 
amongst American Methodists, uh, six out of ten uh, favor same-sex marriage. So that complicates things, and you know the majority of congregations are mixed on this. You have traditionalists, and you have progressives, and you have a large group of people in between. Uh, so um, I know in my own congregation we we have that, and it's it's difficult to to hold everybody together, and I know we'll probably lose members over it. Um, but I have always encouraged people, you know, even if it doesn't go the way that you expect, to keep fighting and keep witnessing to the gospel and put your trust in God, and and then we'll see what happens. And that was the interview with uh, Caleb Henry. I just want to thank Caleb for his wisdom. Also, I just want us to continue to pray for the United Methodist Church as a whole as um, these decisions and meetings that are taking place after uh, General Conference 2019. just to see kind of what's next for the church, what's going to happen. And I think it's very important to see, and I think it's something that um, I think not only the UMC, but even the whole world's going to kind of look and see what happens next. So, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Scott Stemmon Podcast. Hopefully this was informative. Also, my contest is still going on. If you are just listening, uh, my contest is basically to um, let me know basically what, what film I should watch that's part of the Criterion Collection that I have not seen yet. And if I like your response, you will get a free DVD or Blu-ray um, from the Criterion Collection uh, that I will personally pay for and uh, mail to you. Um, if you don't know what films I have not seen yet, um, you can go to my Pinterest page. Uh, right there will have all the films that I've seen, and you can kind of look at those and then just kind of say, oh, well, you haven't watched this one. I think this is good. Again, if you are not a big movie lover, you're probably like, oh, I don't care, but if you are a film lover, Uh, This would be a good contest for you to be able to add to your collection. And you can find all the information to this contest on my website, thescottstedman.com, or you can also see it on my Facebook page, uh, the Scott Stedman Podcast on Facebook. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope you're having a great day, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. You're the mystery that I put my hope in. The more I seek, the more I find.